1: Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com.
0: Major tech companies, the kind of tech giants as it were, are undertaking initiatives to try to eradicate extremist content from their platforms.
1: That's Ken Wolf. He's a senior analyst at Flashpoint. The research we're discussing today is titled An Analysis of Islamic State Propaganda Distribution.
0: And we know that historically, a lot of these big name platforms have been uh, abused by these actors uh, to upload and distribute uh, their propaganda materials. So our... Uh, expectation going into this research was that by conducting a frequency analysis of the domains uh, that have been used for these uh, distribution purposes, we would uh, be able to start to identify uh, new platforms or spaces that uh, these actors might be moving into uh, as, uh, you know, kind of the big name platforms become more difficult for them to. Uh, either access or abuse in the way that they have in the past.
1: So can you sort of take us through and give us a little bit of a lay of the land here? I mean, uh, what, what extremist groups are we talking about and what platforms did they frequent?
0: You see a lot of the same platforms uh, among uh, different groups, but in this research, we focus specifically on uh, on ISIS and the platforms that they're using for content distribution. Some of the major, uh, platforms that we've seen over time are, uh, you know, they include big names like YouTube, uh, Google, Twitter, the internet archive, uh, has been a big one, uh, as well as kind of maybe some lesser known, uh, sites, uh, paste sites like just paste.it.
1: Now, what, um, what are the, the elements that attract them to one platform over another?
0: So that's a good question. We didn't specifically look into that uh, in the course of this research. There were some uh, assumptions that uh, kind of went into it and went into uh, the analysis that was derived from the research. You know, you have to think about uh, the resources uh, that these guys have available to them and the opportunity costs of using one platform over another. The platforms that uh, are most commonly used, the assumption on our part was that those platforms either are easy for these propaganda uh, distributors to either uh, establish accounts uh, or they're uh, kind of favorable in other ways, such as you know, the, the longevity of the content that they upload to those, to those uh, platforms.
1: Yeah, one of the things that caught my eye in your research was uh, the use of Archive.org. Um, I hadn't really thought about it before, but that, that sort of natural tension that's there where uh, part of Archive's mission is to, well, archive the things that were posted online. So th- they would have a, a tendency to not delete things.
0: Right. That's a tricky uh, space, a tricky space. They- Uh, Archive.org's mission, uh, you know, essentially to preserve the historic record of the Internet, and there's certainly value in that. Uh, And even when it comes to these types of materials, uh, you know, accessibility to uh, researchers and academia, uh, military historians, you know, you can can think of different uh, scenarios and groups along those lines that uh, would have, you know, kind of a net positive value from uh, having access to this material. Um, but we have seen, uh, or at least the the data here, the trends suggest that these actors are uh, deliberately uh, abusing the platform to their advantage.
1: So take us through what was the process uh, that you went through for your research and what were some of the key findings?
0: Sure. We uh, chose to look at uh, these two... Forums that are the the membership of the forums are composed of uh, ISIS members and ISIS supporters, and we know uh, through our monitoring that when new propaganda materials are produced and uploaded to uh, any of number of uh, hosting platforms, the links to those materials are shared within these forums, uh, both for uh, you know the membership to. Uh, to view those, but also to reshare uh, outside of these platforms. So with that understanding, we decided to look at the three-year period beginning in January of 2015 and going through uh, the end of December 2017. The process involved harvesting all of the URLs that had been shared uh, within the forums during that period of time kind of uh, cleaning the data a bit a lot of these uh, URLs have been uh, either reshared or uh, you know the original posts in which they were uh, shared have been uh, reposted uh, things along those lines so we had to do some uh, deduplication so that we could be sure uh, you know we're only counting each one uh, one time there was also a concern about uh, shortened links and how they might distort the data. Uh, so had to uh, employ some uh, some scripts to kind of go through and, and expand all the shortened links uh, and also, you know, deduplicate those. And uh, once we'd gone through those steps, we basically had the set of, uh, of URLs that we wanted to work with. From there, we extracted the domain names uh, from each of those URLs, and then uh, built out a frequency analysis uh, going month by month uh, through that three-year period.
1: And so what were some of the trends that you saw?
0: One of the uh, most surprising uh, findings uh, was actually um, a trend that didn't exist, which was uh, that we didn't really see new platforms emerging, uh, especially moving into uh early and late 2017. What we do see is a lot of the same uh, platforms in the top 10 uh, that have been used across this entire period of time. And uh, those include some of the biggest names, uh, YouTube, Google, there were were some others that started creeping up, we see a little bit of uh, Dropbox, and some other uh, similar platforms. But for the most part, the top 10 in 2015 were the same top 10 in 2017. One of the other interesting uh, trends that we saw in the data was we could actually identify a point in time uh, during which these actors began to uh, actively archive uh, the materials that they had been uploading to paste sites. Uh, we saw that emerge in around April of uh, 2016. And uh, the evidence for that is, is I think, pretty clear. You can see in the same posts in which a URL uh, from a paste site were shared, there was also uh, an accompanying URL from uh, the Wayback Machine uh, where they had, you know, what it looks like is Uploaded the material, generated the paste page, immediately archived it, and then shared uh, both links. So they, uh, you know, effectively achieving, uh, you know, persistent content that way.
1: Taking advantage of of archive.org uh, to immediately uh, have a, I guess, a, what they're hoping is a permanent archive. Exactly. Yeah. Now, one of the things I noticed uh, in your research was how. Um, uh, Twitter made a, a brief appearance. It, lo- it appears in 2015, but then kind of dropped off the list. and And your research included a, a little chatter about that.
0: Yes. So Twitter, um, you know, in the past was a was a big platform uh, for uh, for these guys to use. You know, it makes sense in a lot of ways. Uh, materials, unless an account on uh, Twitter is private. Uh, people, even without having an account, can typically view uh, tweets and and content of tweets. Uh, so that really gives uh, creates a platform uh, in which it's easy to distribute materials and reach uh, you know multiple uh, and broad target audiences. But Twitter has also taken uh, very active measures to, uh, both eradicate the uh, extremist content from the platform and uh, suspend the accounts that are associated with uh, with spreading that. And we don't know enough about the actual uh, programs that Twitter has uh, put into place or the timelines when those were done to really draw a correlation between uh, the decrease that we see in these numbers, but there is there is anecdotal evidence that suggests, Uh, Their efforts have been effective, and some of these are, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the discussions that we referenced in the report. Uh, We actually pretty often see different members, whether it's um, within the forums or on Telegram or in other spaces, uh, people calling for ISIS supporters to establish Twitter accounts and uh, you know kind of do their part uh, for for the cause by distributing you know ISIS materials through those accounts. But I think uh, this one uh, quote that we included in the report kind of helps put into context the difficulties that they face. And that's uh, this was a a forum member who was writing in Arabic responding to another member who. Uh, was calling upon forum members to join Twitter. And this this member said, uh, this task is impossible. I alone have had more than 120 accounts closed on Twitter. Sometimes three accounts were closed in the same day, even though I was not as active as other accounts. What is the benefit of accounts that are closed an hour after they are opened? And I think that kind of embodies the uh, frustrations uh, that uh, ISIS and their supporters are facing in you know, continuing to try to use Twitter as a platform for uh, propaganda distribution.
1: Yeah, another thing that your research noted uh, that caught my eye was uh, the use of services that are using blockchain, um, I, I guess for both the permanence of it and, and the distributed nature of it?
0: Yes, so that was uh, an interesting uh, thing we came across a few months ago. Fairly common to see... Um, these four members discussing alternate platforms and trying to find other ways to, uh, you know, establish a presence and and get their materials out there. Uh, This service specifically uh, came up with, uh, I think we said in January of this year, uh, looking at a video hosting service called DTube, which uses a decentralized model you know, some of the benefits that they mentioned uh, were, you know, because of the distributed model, there's not uh, necessarily an admin who can uh, delete materials the way that uh, can be done on YouTube. Uh, so they, you know, we looking at this as an, an alternative basically to YouTube and a way to maintain, uh, you know, permanent uh, distribution of, of their videos.
1: Now, in terms of uh, the take homes for you, the conclusions that you all came to, and then and then practical applications of your research, what can you share there?
0: That's a really great question. I think that you know it was really insightful uh, to see the way or the extent to which the same platforms uh, continue to be used. Um, you know, especially uh, big name platforms which have been. Uh, in the news a lot and have uh, received a lot of uh, attention for uh, the way that, that their own platforms have been abused by these actors. But you know they continue to be the, the most commonly used. We can't really use that to evaluate uh, how effective their programs are without also uh, taking into account how long uh, materials stay active on those platforms. Uh, which is not something that was included in this research. So, you know, that gives us uh, some different avenues for, for follow-on research that might uh, help shed some better light on that. You know, overall, it really highlights the the complexity of this problem and how difficult it might actually be to, to tackle.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we often, you know, sort of talk about this game of whack-a-mole you know, knocking things down and they pop back up again, but uh, it seems like there's a, a, a real evolution here in um, in these people's uh, tactics for, uh, I, I guess, even just the duplication of information, so that uh, you know they're they're uploading the main version, but then
0: immediately having a backup as well. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, they've they have shown them themselves to be pretty resourceful uh, and adaptive to a lot of the hurdles that, that they themselves have faced. And, you know, in addition to uh, kind of immediately archiving and creating backups of the materials, any, any given piece of, of propaganda is typically uploaded to, uh, you know, f- five, 10, uh, sometimes more sites uh, at the same time. So they're uploading to many sites at once with the assumption that at least uh, some of those are probably going to flag it pretty quickly and delete it, but it'll still be available uh, on other uh, platforms. Yeah, they're they're uh, definitely, I think, adaptive and resourceful.
1: And I know that your research doesn't directly cover this, but what's your sense in terms of uh, discoverability of this stuff? Is it it easy, if this is what you're looking for, is it easy to search
0: for and find it? I think that uh, really depends upon the the platform that it's been shared on. Um, It is kind of easy to, uh, you know, go to a search engine and combine certain keywords with uh, some of these domains and actually find a lot of the material. You know, Pace sites, even with archive.org, uh, you can find a lot of the material pretty easily. Uh, stuff that's uh, being distributed over uh, Google Drive or uh, Dropbox or something along those lines, uh, not as easy to find uh, just because that stuff's not indexed.
1: Our thanks to Ken Wolf from Flashpoint for joining us. The title of the research paper is An Analysis of Islamic State Propaganda Distribution. You can find it on the Flashpoint website. And now a word from our sponsor, 6sense. sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, visit SixSense.com. The Cyberwire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond.